Amen, church. Everybody doing okay this morning? Awesome. Well, good morning again. It's always a pleasure to be here with you. Uh, I want to say hello to the Hendersonville campus. And then also those watching online, it's always a treat uh, to be before you. I just want to thank you guys, Arden Campus, for being ascending campus, ascending campus. Uh, multi-site doesn't exist without you guys. So I want you all to just say, give yourself a hand of applause, round of applause. Come on, come on. You guys have sent out several campuses, and we're thankful, and we're better as a result of that. So this season, starting today, kind of the Passion Week, if you will, walking into the life of Jesus and the reason for which he was put here on earth and why he came and why he was born, uh, it, starts, it starts now. And so I hope that you guys are ready. I love what Pastor Adam said. Just prepare your minds, prepare your hearts, because uh, this coming up week is really the Super Bowl of our faith. I mean, it's the Super Bowl of our faith. I mean, as a matter of fact, Paul will even say, if Christ hadn't risen from the grave, we're all to be pitied among men. So with that said, this is a great time. It's a time of reflection. It's a time of celebration. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to just walk through and kind of peer in, if we can, into the courtroom of God. We're going to look at his courtroom. We're going to look at how he uh, handles justice, um, injustice, all that stuff. We're going to look into the courtroom of God to see um, what he has planned for us in regards to redemption. It's funny because all of us, we love, not all of us, but some of us in the room, we all tend to like mystery shows or crime shows, okay? So how many of you guys love crime shows? Anybody? Right? Good. Good turnout. Good, 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 good. All right. I'm glad not more than just 10 people. Amen. So crime shows. Now, if I don't list your crime show this morning, uh, bear with me, forgive me. There is grace at the cross. Amen. But I'm going to list a few. All right. Y'all bear with me. Criminal Minds. Great one. Right? See, Pastor Daniel over here going like this. Yep. 24. Okay. Right? Some of y'all binge watch 24 even now still. Right? Jack Bauer. What about Law and Order? All right? Right? Like, <laughs> it's like a little small little crowd like, right? Yeah, there it is. I'm a personally, I'm a first 48 type of guy, the first 48 on A&E. I love it. And if I, I, wouldn't, I didn't share this with the first hour, but had the Lord not called me to, into ministry, I probably would be in uh, law enforcement. What about uh, NCIS? Okay. All right. Still, still not ringing a lot of people's doorbell here. So what about Columbo? Amen. <laughs> Matlock. No, I'm joking with you. But we all respond to crime and justice, deal away with crime, but we all respond somehow in some way. Every single human being on the face of the earth, we all respond to justice or injustice, whether we know it or not. So whether we stand up and we stand up for justice or injustice, if we do say something or not say something, whatever the case may be, all of us, we're all hardwired and the Imago Day of God is upon every single person, which, justice, we know that we serve a just God, so that therefore we all, in some degree, we respond to justice in some way. Calvin Miller, in his book, it's a very interesting book, by the way, it's a little small little book, you can see this, in his book entitled Once Upon a Tree, he writes this about how men respond or react to justice. He says this in chapter 8. He says, men react when they see the cross, period. So in other words, he's just making a statement out of the gate. Here's the, here's the big idea. Regardless of where you come from, regardless of what you look like, regardless of whatever, 
He's making the claim, which is true theologically, every single one of us, we respond to justice in one way or another. They do not react to it as a symbol of Jesus' death, however. So in other words, every time we see a cross, he's saying, it's not like, oh my gosh, right, remembering Jesus' sacrifice, but merely as a symbol of Christianity. Most people, upon seeing a cross, immediately associate it with church or with churchy things. We're talking about the cross here. But very infrequently would be mere sight of a cross stir in one's heart thoughts of the death and atonement of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He goes on to say this. It is tragic. It's a tragic truth that in our culture today that the cross has uh, degenerated, excuse me, degenerated into a symbol of religion. In essence, it's been more so looked at as merely as something we wear around our neck versus the instrument God used to redeem us. So this morning, I just want to ask us this question. Rolling into this season, how are you going to respond afresh, first time, many of us in a room, for the first time, but even as a believer, whether you've been a believer for four months, four years, 40 years, it doesn't matter. How will you and I respond in this coming season to our king? It's funny because you look at the scripture in John John highlights, even throughout some other uh, Gospels, Mary washes Jesus' feet in the triumphal entry in the Passion Week with her tears. She literally weeps and she wipes Jesus' feet with her tears. In the same breath, in the same penmanship, if you will, the crowd watching right around this same context with Mary washing Jesus' feet, the crowd plots to kill Jesus. Just that quick, one story, boom, next story, and then you keep reading. Then we see the palm branches. This is Palm Sunday. We see the palm branches and everybody saying triumphantly, if you will, praise Jesus, he's king and Lord, and then turn around and hail him to be crucified. You say, rather, give us Barabbas. We want Barabbas, not this quote-unquote king of the Jews. So this morning, I want to talk about three crosses. Three crosses, the cross of rejection, the cross of redemption, and the cross of repentance. And all I want to do is ask this question. What happened to those thieves? What happened to the two thieves who were crucified next to to Jesus? And I could just steal the thunder right off the bat out of the gate. Man, I can tell you what happened right now. Anybody want to know? I hope so. You sit in church, you probably want to know. Amen. One thief rejected the truth of the person and the work of who Jesus is and was. He spent his life separated from the Lord forever. The other thief trusted and believed in his truth, and he spent his life with Jesus forever. So let's look into the courtroom of God. Y'all with me? Let's turn to Luke chapter 23, starting in verse 32, and we are going to view God's courtroom and how he deals with justice. Starting in verse 32, it reads this, two others who were criminals, were led away to be put to death with him, who was him, Jesus. And when they had come to the place that, they, they called, that is called, excuse me, the skull, and by the way, this is called Calvary or Golgotha. And so if you see a church that's entitled Calvary Church, really it means skull church. Just thought I'd throw that in there for you. Amen. There they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, what a great prayer. And by the way, he's praying for you. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments, which is a prophecy being fulfilled even in this moment by Jesus. 
And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is Christ of God, his chosen one, then let him do so, right? Verse 36, the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Again, prophecy being fulfilled. Verse 39 is where we spend most of our time through 30, 43. One of the criminals who are hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and dust. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? Verse 41, And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me, remember me, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Jesus, looking at the other thief, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Can we do a cross-examination this morning? As we look at the, the crosses, if you will, the three, and we look at Golgotha's hill, this hill shaped like a skull just outside of Jerusalem, next to trash heap, next to burning trash, so the odor, the odor was really bad, and uh, there's a lot here, and here Jesus, born to die, is just outside of Jerusalem, getting ready to purchase your salvation based on his blood. So for starters, let's just go ahead and look at the first cross, the cross of rejection. Now, mind you, let me say this off the bat. Now, this could be tricky, cross of rejection. What do you mean? Did Jesus reject him? No, he rejected Jesus. Whenever there's rejection, with man and God, it's always on man's part, not on God's part. We're the ones that turn our back on him. And again, we don't know much about this text, or excuse me, we don't know much about this criminal or these criminals. It doesn't give us a biography. It doesn't let us know what their heritage is and um, their mom and dad. It doesn't tell us what neighborhood they grew up in. It doesn't tell us none of that. But however, we do see some clues in our text today. We do see some very um, highlighting clues in, in regards to both thieves. Both were criminals. That's one. Two, both cl had close proximity with Jesus, close enough to where they can hear Jesus even pray in verse 34, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They heard him. They were able to hear him close. The third clue is this. Made, they both made a request to Jesus. In verse 39, the cross of rejection, this criminal appealed to Jesus in his dying hour. But he appealed to him, not in the sense of out of uh, remorse or grief or, hey, save me, but in a sense of ridiculing and joining the crowd. And what we see right out of the bat, saints, is this, that you and I, we can be close to Jesus. We can be in proximity to Jesus, the real Jesus, not the um, cultural Jesus, not the Jesus you and I, we've made up for our own selves in our own mind, but the Jesus who is, he's literally in the middle between the two thieves that the Bible declares as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This particular King, this Jesus, we can be in close proximity with him and still have no transformation. That's what the text is screaming. And so in essence, close proximity doesn't equal, quote unquote, transformation. You see the spectators at the base of the cross, verse 35, the Roman soldiers actually, which is good, one Roman soldier would come to his senses and say, this truly was the son of God. But have you noticed this in a stern way? Jesus didn't respond to the first criminal's request. Verse 39, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? 
Are you not the Christ? Are you not the Christ? In his dying hour, he's using his last bit of breath to ridicule the king of kings and the creator of all things. Think of this. The courtroom of God's economy. Here it is. He's, he's, he's ridiculing and pointing fingers as he's dying for his, his sins. Are you not the Christ? He says, save yourself. Save yourself and us. Jesus did respond to him. Not in a verbal way, but in a nonverbal way. See, the mere fact that Jesus didn't say anything to the first thief didn't negate the fact that Jesus spoke to him. Stay with me. Jesus' response is a stern warning, not just to the thief back uh, 2,000 years ago on the skull, if you will, but also to us today in the church in America. It's this, that playing church is a dangerous thing. Jesus looks at this guy, doesn't respond to him. Can you sense that? Save yourself. And Matthew, Matthew chapter 7 would actually say this. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter my kingdom. So you and I, we can be associated, quote, unquote, with Jesus, but still not know him. Here it is. Think with me about this a little bit. He saw Jesus, the first thief, but he still, he's going to spend eternity separated from him. He met Jesus, and still he's going to spend eternity separated from him. He talked to Jesus, and yet still he was going to spend eternity separated from him. This argues something great in the Scriptures this morning, that you and I, we can become so familiar in our faith that we do not even press in and, and every now and then just say, Lord, I want to make sure I'm serving the right Jesus, the right God of Scripture, and not some fabricated one that I made up for myself. It's, it's, a, it's a regular Reminder that we continue to die to ourselves. Here's three quick observations why this thief's request was denied. He had the wrong view of himself. He had the wrong view of himself. Have you had that, seen that person just have a wrong view of themselves? They think, you know, man, hey, I, I smell good, but really like musty or something like that. Have you ever seen that person? <laughs> Come go with me. Come on, y'all. Don't play church this morning. Come go with me. I mean, it's just a, you know, a wrong view of themselves. I'm really good on a basketball court, but they get on the court, get the ball, they double dribbling, traveling, you know, all this other stuff, can't, can't shoot the ball for nothing, right? Just a bad, just the wrong view of themselves. He misunderstood the person of Christ, the work of Christ and the nature of who Jesus, who Jesus is. He really thought, he, hey, this guy, he must be a wannabe. He must be a wannabe Messiah. Are you not the Christ? This rhetorical question that the first thief um, railed at Jesus it drips with sarcasm. Are you not the Christ in his last moments? You see, the last thing is this. He simply wanted to get down from the cross. He wanted to get down from the cross and not genuine salvation. Stay with me here. He wanted to just get down. Get me down, Lord. I just want to get down, change my circumstance, but I'm really not concerned with being made right with you. Though you're holy and I'm a sinner, I'm not concerned about that. Save my skin, but not my soul. So in essence, this is what we see in the text. Both said, save me. One said, save my skin. The other said, save my soul. One said, save me now. Get me out of this circumstance. The other one would say, save me forever. You see, he missed it. He missed it. He missed it. My wife was shopping with the girls not too long ago, and um, we went to a particular store, and we went shopping. You know, we, you know in, my, in my family, we love popcorn. Amen. So, yep, somebody said, yep, right? We love popcorn. I'm going to go a step further and culturally bless you with this. I put hot sauce on my popcorn. Amen. 
Some of y'all are like, Lord have mercy. I'm going to pray for pastor. Amen. Pray for me. But I do. I put hot sauce on it. But this particular day, they went shopping. I wasn't in the car. I wasn't with them. It was Mandy and the three girls. And um, they, they, you know, they're leaving the store. And on the corner, they're getting ready to leave. And on the corner, um, there was a lady with her baby with a sign saying, hey, look, I need money for food. My wife, being compelled by the Holy Spirit, being led by the Lord, uh, reaches at the stoplight and hands her some money. But in doing so, the lady's holding her baby. The baby actually looks in. Now, by the way, we bought the popcorn that we love in our household. It's in the car, in a bag, visible. So the baby looks in. The lady takes her money. The baby looks in and goes, eh! yeah, to the popcorn. So my wife is in a tough situation. Have you ever been in a tough situation? So here it is, she, she, she looks at the bag and she knows she needs to do the right thing. She takes the whole bag, not even open. Now, mind you, Amaya, my middle child, she loves this popcorn. So Mandy, boom, bang, make it really quick. Hopefully Amaya didn't see it. Boom, here, here's the popcorn. And I'm going to tell you what, Amaya threw a fit. It's <laughs> oh, like punching the ceiling of the van. Oh, yeah. It was crazy. It was nuts in that car. It was crazy. She was throwing a straight-up fit. Mandy began to talk to her a little bit. They drove off. She's crying. She settles down. Hey, Amaya, this is Mandy talking to Amaya. Amaya, you did the right thing. The Lord knows you did the right thing. He knows your heart. You did the right thing. He saw you, baby. It was such a sweet thing to give your popcorn to the lady. It was such a great deal. The Lord is honored by you doing so. She liked it. <laughs> but then there's like a little silence in the car. And, you know, you know, Naomi, she's really small. She's just sitting there listening. Sarai, she's chilling, right? She's listening too. And so the silence, really, Mandy goes, I think she's getting it. I think she gets it theologically, right, in this little brain. Well, she goes, you know what, Mommy, when I get to heaven, I want to tell Jesus. And Mandy goes, no, 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 baby, you just, no, 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 don't, don't, don't miss it. Jesus knows. He saw it already. He knows exactly what you did. You don't need to tell him anything, baby. And she goes, no, no, no. When I see Jesus... I want to tell him, I want my popcorn back. <laughs> Bless her soul, she missed it. You and I, we can miss it. The thief said in rejection, he said, look, save yourself and us. Save yourself and us. Do you know theologically, this is a theological impossibility. This cannot happen because if Jesus would have taken himself off the cross and not sacrificed himself for you and I, there is no salvation. But here it is, Jesus says, in this case, screaming. This is not a both and, but an either or. Either I die for you or you're going to die in your sins. There's some things in life that there's an either or. So really, in essence, for me, I'm going to name a few of them. For me, either you like fried chicken or you like baked chicken. There's no both and. There, you just can't do both. Amen. That's, my, that's just my own premise. Amen. Amen. I got one. Duke or Carolina? I, I'm not asking for votes. Amen. Okay. It's an either or, right? What about being in the air and on the land, on land at the same time. What about this being married and still saying I'm single? There's, it's an either or, not a both and. 
And in this case, Jesus is screaming. And I'm thankful for this text right now in this passage because you and I, our salvation literally hangs in the balance. In the last waking moments of Jesus, stay with me. This is not in my notes. He was being tempted to lean into the flesh. Have you thought about this? Look at this text. Save. Well, how tempting would it have been? Save yourself and us. Jesus said, no, man. Earlier on in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. You see what happens, you and I, like this guy on the cross, we have what's called a carjack theology. This is a carjack. That's what it is, tiny, amen. It's a carjack, though, nonetheless. This is it. It's a carjack. So you don't display it proudly. You don't walk around like, whoa, I got my car jacked today. Yeah, Lord. Nobody walks around like that. When was the last time you woke up and said, whoa, got my car jacked in my car. I'm good to go. Nobody does that. Just stay with me. I'm just trying to, we have car jack theology when it comes to serving and worshiping Jesus. We keep it in the trunk, but we don't necessarily walk around cuddling it. Wouldn't want to be caught without it, but we don't love it enough. And that's how it is with the Lord. If you're such a good carjack, Jesus, get me out of this situation. I only pull you out when I truly, truly need you. And that's why I mentioned earlier, make sure that we're worshiping the God of Scripture and not the God of who we made him to be in our own minds. Not a fabricated king, but the king of kings. Look at the cross of redemption real quick. This is the moment. Verse 34 says this. And Jesus said, Father, this is why he came. Listen, this is so beautiful. Father, Father, Abba, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive them. This is the moment. This is why Jesus was born. This is why he came to earth. This is why he stepped on the stage of humanity. Everything in the Old Testament points to this moment right here and even in the New Testament. Genesis 3, we see in the garden once we, you and I, yes, Adam and Eve, we, we sinned. Jesus, God himself, he sacrificed the lamb, put the lamb on the individuals, Adam and Eve. We see even in the garden, grace and the gospel. We see salvation for the individual. But then as you progress, do biblical theology, the day of atonement in Exodus, you see, hey, put the blood over the doorpost. And when the deaf angel comes over, now we see, not just for the individual, but as the progression in God's redemptive narrative, we see this. We see the salvation for a household. And then for when, when the nation of Israel is, is mature and, and ready to go, Yom Kippur was a once-a-year time where they were sacrificed. The priest was sacrificed on behalf of the nations, um, sacrificing a lamb, if you will, before the Lord, and that was once a year. Once a year. Now we have individual, household, and nation. But I'm thankful for that one day that John the Baptist was baptizing, and he just so happened to baptize, and he looked up and caught eyes with this, this Nazarene cat walking forward. What did he say? Behold, the lamb who takes away what? The sins of the world. For everybody. See, the first criminal thought it was a joke. I mean, I can, I can just joke around with him, but this is why Jesus is here. And many of us in the room, we've kind of treated Christianity or even Jesus, the true God of Scripture, like this. And, and today, instead of saying, if God, 
Now, I've said this before in my own prayer life. Lord, if you would have been here, we see it in Scripture. If God, if God, if God, if you would have been here, if you get me down, if you get me out of this, if, if, carjack theology, if, if, if. But based on our passage today, Jesus praying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Instead of saying, if God, you and I, we ought to corporately get together as a choir and we ought to say, but God. Ah, but God, if God, but God, you put the two together, but if not for, but if not for God, his grace. I just want to take you on a journey real quick in regards to some of the the but God scriptures in, in, in the Bible. Genesis 50 and 20 says this, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for, he meant it for good. Romans 5 and 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Kind of similar to what Jesus prayed, isn't it? Matthew 19, 26 says, But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are, they're possible. Isaiah 40 and 8, The grass withers, the the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand and live forever. Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hey, I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad for this. I'm I'm excited for this conjunction in the human language right now, the but gods in Scripture. Ephesians 2, 12 through 13. Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope, stay with me, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ, Jesus, who you once were far off, has been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you hadn't said amen for a long time, maybe not this week, now is the moment to go ahead and say amen. Ephesians 2, 1 through 2, 4 through 6. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of, of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at the work in the sons of disobedience, but God. Everybody say, but God. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love for which he loved you and I, put your name there. Even when we were dead, stay with me, he came and resuscitated you and I because of the gold, God, the healed, the cross, the instrument of redemption. God came through, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Jesus, in Jesus Christ. That's a great moment, but the but gods of scripture They give you hope in the middle of everything you're going through. So here it is, the cross of redemption. The doctrine of the cross is not that, here, stay with me, not that there is life after death. We know that. We're all eternal beings. But this screams that there is life instead of death because of Jesus' sacrifice for you and I. Here it is, the gospel. What What did Jesus do on the cross? He took our place. He suffered for you and I so that we wouldn't have to. Which is why we say around here, the culture in our church, you can explain the gospel in four words. What? Jesus what? Okay, amen. Let's say that with a little more gusto. Jesus and what? My place. Jesus didn't just die for us. He died instead of, instead of us. And the first thief, he just ridiculed and played around with it, even in his, his dying days. You see, we don't know when our time is up. The sad thing is, a lot of us, we wait to the last moment because we we want to be king on our own throne. And in this moment, this individual, the first thief, he couldn't step down. He said, I'm not stepping down. I want to, it's all about me. I pray that at the conclusion of this um, 
sermon that you will make that transition from sitting on your own throne to allowing Jesus to sit on the throne of your heart. Then lastly, the cross of repentance. Verse 40 through 43. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God? Listen at this, this dialogue, this discourse going on. Do you not fear God since you are under the same, here it is, same sentence of condemnation? Not like we're under some different sentence, like I'm getting this and you're getting this. We're under the same condemnation. And we indeed, he says, justly, isn't God a just God? This is why we're looking at the courtroom of the Lord. And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said, Jesus, looking at him, what a great picture. Truly, I'll say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Philip Ryken said this about the, the second thief. He's the luckiest man to ever live. Think of this. He woke up knowing he was getting ready to die. Sentence, death row, nailed to a cross, but just so happened on his day, he's nailed to a cross. This was a normal custom in the Roman culture, but just so happened this day, he'll be nailed to the cross next to Jesus. What a great picture. So it's interesting in God's economy that repentance is the way that we, we come to know him. We got to die to ourselves. There's no off-brand Repentance. I'm just challenging you on this. Growing up, we didn't have much. So every now and then, we would have um, all my friends be wearing Jordans, right? Rocking Jordan. They'd be clean. Like, man, I'm just doing Jordan clean. See, your boy, I didn't have Jordans. I was, rock, I was rocking Jordash. Amen. <laughs> Jordash. And sometimes I might have had Jordans, but it was a silent J. It was more like Jordans. It was some knockoff. It was, a, it was another brand, but it wasn't a real deal. Even when it comes to cereal, I'm a cereal guy. I love cereal. And I tell my wife every now and then, I say, babe, some stuff we don't mess with. Don't come home with no bootleg, off-brand cereal. Amen, babe? You know what I'm talking about. She knows. Growing up, we were raised on Frosted Flakes. They're great. Man, we were raised on them bad boys. We loved it. As a matter of fact, my siblings, when we would sit down and have Frosted Flakes, have you ever ate cereal and it just tastes like a steak? Y'all like, never. But... In my household, yes, amen. It was so good. What about Fruit Loops? Ooh, tell you, they're not healthy for you, but Fruit Loops. And my mom one day came home with some Fruitios. I said, Mom, I mean, I remember being five or six. I said, Mom, you can't, you can't do that, Mom. And then we loved Honey Nut Cheerios. Mmm. And then one day she decided, for what it's worth, to come home with some fiber O's. Fiber O's. Isn't it interesting that in God's economy, there's no off-brand to come to him? There's no off-brand, saints, and don't get it twisted. There's no off-brand in the sense of, man, hey, look, I can, I can come to God on my own terms. I can come to God when I want to. I can come to God, whatever the case may be. This passage, by the way, also is a great apologetic text. It battles universalism. It battles every other major world religion. It battles all this stuff, even purgatory, with some of the other world religions and what they think. This text is phenomenal. Go back and take notes and journal. Whatever you have to do, study this text. It is liberating. It's really a three-part series. 
But here, the repentance of the next guy, he goes, look, I know that I'm messed up. And as a matter of fact, Matthew records it a little bit differently. He picks up on some of the conversation. Matthew 27, 44 says this about the same context. And the robbers, plural, reviled him in the same way. So in other words, this brother said, man, something is different about this guy in the middle. Something is different. If I'm going to roll the dice, I want to roll the dice on this man. Something is different. So why did Jesus respond to his request? He knew the difference between just asking for help, the second thief, just get me down, carjack theology, get me down, change my circumstance, but I really don't want soul level change. And then he said, look, I, just want, I, want, I want Jesus, and we'll see that in just a little while. He truly repented. It wasn't worldly grief, it was godly grief. He wasn't trying to make an arrangement with God. How many of you ever try to make an arrangement deal with the Lord? He genuinely repented and, and not merely remorseful. Not just the fact that my hand got caught in a cookie jar, but he said, man, I, I've sinned literally against a holy God. And then lastly, he came to the end of himself. He surrendered. One of my mentors a long time ago, back in 2000 or so, he, I was battling with discipleship and just giving my life to the Lord fully. Like, Lord, I want to be all yours, all in. And he wrote this down. He said, Marcus, let me show you something. Blank piece of paper, a bold black Sharpie, surrender. But then he took a red Sharpie and underlined the word end in surrender. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I've never seen that. He said, Marcus, the moment you come to the end of yourself, that's when you're ready. It is what Jesus said. Luke 9, 23, if anyone, if anyone, if anyone, I love this because it doesn't matter where you're at in this room, it doesn't matter how you feel in this room, it's not based on feelings. He said, if anyone, red, black, yellow, and white, everybody's precious in my king's sight, it doesn't matter who you are, if anyone comes after me, he's an equal opportunity savior and God. If anyone comes after me, guess what? Let him deny himself or herself, pick up their cross, and follow me daily. If anyone, he says, if anyone, surrender, come to the end of yourself. And then many of us in the room, we hadn't made this decision. We hadn't genuinely repented. It's been about remorse. It's been about making arrangements with God. It's been around being just really close proximity with the Lord. We know that's a dangerous thing to do, to be in close proximity and not allow the Lord to really impact or change your life. So today you can leave from living for self and living for Jesus. Here's another thing. This second thief, not persuaded by the railing of the crowd, though he, he joined in, he got to a point of, he said, you know what, I want to stand out. He stood up for his ground. He stood up for the gospel. He feared God. Y'all heard it in the, in the reading of your, in the word. Do you not fear God? Do you not fear God? Something within him, the wooing of the Holy Spirit, no man comes to the Father, uh, but no one comes to Jesus because the Father draws all men. He feared God. Do you not fear God? He admitted that he had done wrong. Fourthly, not only did he admit he, done, he did wrong and was guilty, he accepted his punishment as deserved. Not like the first guy saying, get me down. I don't deserve this. Have you ever said that to the Lord? I don't deserve this. We'll stop there. The thief acknowledged Jesus' righteousness. This man has done no wrong. He's done nothing wrong. He acknowledged that Jesus was righteous. And then lastly, the thief goes a step further. He says, hey, look, Jesus, remember me. Will you come into your kingdom or your paradise? Jesus, you're king. 
Isn't it interesting that on the cross, Jesus in the middle, here's the other thief. This passage also argues apologetically, if you will, against works. Stay with me. The second thief is nailed to the cross. He couldn't get down and work for his salvation. There's nothing he can do. What was Jesus going to gain for this guy giving his life to Christ? He would never give in the church. He would never serve. He would never go on a mission trip. He would never be baptized. What was he to gain? All, Jesus was his gain. He couldn't work for anything. He had to solely depend on the Lord, and that's you and I today. Maybe you're saying, look, I want to get out of my circumstance. I have a carjack theology, but, Lord, I am not truly dependent on you. And so Jesus is saying today, it's not based on what you do for me. It's solely based on what I've done for you. Lean in, love me, press in, and watch me hook you up. Watch me hook you up. And so then lastly, we see that this guy said, man, look, Jesus, you're more. You're more. Jesus is more. You see, in our culture today, we don't need more religion. We don't need more religion. We need more Jesus. We don't need more religion. We need more Jesus. Two different things. Then Jesus responds to him and said, hey, look, today, I want to spend the last three minutes on this. Today, truly I say to you, you will be with me in paradise. Now, the last time I checked, when Jesus is talking, we should what? We should listen, right? We tell our kids sometimes, show me that you're listening. You know, not like, oh, I hear you, I hear you, right? No, 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 show us you're listening, right? 76 times in the New Testament, Jesus utters these words, truly I say to you, truly I say to you, truly I say to you, Biltmore Church, truly I say to you, the individual. This is affirming that what Jesus was about to say is worthy of special attention. And he's saying, look, listen, listen up. Don't miss this one like Amaya missed the popcorn deal. Don't miss this one. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Listen up. 76 times. I think we ought to pay attention today, church. I think this is a very divine prophetic word for us today. Listen up. Truly, I say to you, whomever you may be, truly, I say to you today, not someday, uh, uh, not one day, but he says today. Now, this is very interesting. Why? Because how could Jesus and this guy be buried, but he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Again, this is a heavy text. But a little bit earlier, Jesus said, look, Father, or a little bit later, he's going to say, Father, I commit my spirit to you. See, Jesus' spirit was so the same guy. He said, today, emphatically today, you'll be with me. Now, let me just talk about this real quick. Thank God that we're not the Lord because we'll mess some stuff up. But Jesus, imagine, look how gracious he is. He says, today, I know you've done all that stuff, but my grace is sufficient for past, present, and even future. I save the totality of who you are today. I don't matter. You don't have to get down and do extra stuff and dance a two-step for me. You don't do nothing of that stuff. Today, you will be with me. Imagine Jesus going, hey, look, um, I'm going to hook you up. I'm going to get up there, and I'm going to talk to who I need to talk to. I have all power in heaven and earth in my hands. This is very clear. The Father has given me that. I'm going to get up there. I'm going to talk to who I need to talk to. And, and uh, you're going to come in. I'm going to hook you up. I told you you'll be with me today. But when I hook you up, I need you to come around the back door. 
come in on the side door. Come read the Bible with me with attitude. He says, today you will be arm in arm. When we leave this rugged cross, these rugged crosses, if you will, today you and I together, you will walk in with me before the King of kings and the Lord of lords and all the angels. You'll be arm in arm with me and we'll walk in together. That's beautiful. So in other words, you can say this to yourself. It doesn't matter how bad you may think you are. If you're in Jesus Christ, guess what? Arm in arm, he's saying, today you will be with me in paradise. Maybe you've done some foul things back in the day. It's spring break. I know some foul things are going to take place. But guess what? In Christ, guess what? You are with him. And he says, today you will be with me in paradise. Doesn't matter what you've done. He says, today you'll be with me. With me, compassion. You'll be with me. But now this word compassion, or this word Paradise is very interesting. In kingdoms, back in the day, their gardens were considered uh, paradises. They were plush, lush with fruits and vegetation and all that good stuff. It's very interesting that the word paradise is used here. In the garden, which was known as the first paradise, we got in trouble in that paradise but we get out of trouble in this new paradise. In the garden, you and I, we got in trouble because of a tree. Oh, but thank God, based on our text, the cross in the middle, we get out of trouble because of another tree. Jesus is saying this today. He said something to the first one. Though he didn't say anything audible, he spoke to him. Are you playing around with this thing? With Christianity, D.L. Moody said this. He said, hey, look, you're going to read one day, real soon, you're going to read that I've died. You're going to read it in the newspaper. He says, after that second clause, don't believe it one bit because I'm more alive now than I ever was. That's what the second thief can say. You can say the same thing. You see, Jesus is not, and this, I'm preaching to myself, he's not committed to your plan for your life. Like the first thief. Get me down. Carjack the alley. Let me do, do, it, do, do, do what I say. He's not committed to that. But Jesus is committed to his plan for your life. His plan for your life. I want to pray a prayer over you real quick. It's going to come up on the screens. You say, Marcus, I've been messing around with this thing. And maybe today, man, going into this Passion Week and the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday, you can say, I want to leave death and I want to go into life. Like literally. I don't know where you're at, but I would say based on this number in the room that some of us, we haven't crossed over. God's courtroom, Jesus is in the middle. He prays. God's wrath and God's grace meet at the cross. God's wrath towards sin, his grace and provision to forgive us of our sin and redeem us, meet in that salvation. Then we see the two guys. We all respond to crime in some way or justice in some way. She so say, Marcus, I need to give my life to Christ today. I just want to pray this over you. Go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. In a broken posture, having a right view of yourself, denouncing carjack theology, 
saying, Jesus, I want you. Not, not, not what I can get from you. I, I want you. You save me. So repeat it. I mean, you could just quietly just pray this. God, up until now, I've centered my whole life on everything but you. And Lord, by your grace and because of Jesus' sacrifice, as we can see on the cross, he died in our place, that changes from this moment forward. Whether I've got five minutes or 50 years, I turn today, repent and surrender, come to the end. I surrender to you. I recognize I have sinned against a holy God. Save me today, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.